Welcome to The Well at Calvary Tuscaloosa. Thanks for listening in. Before continuing, we'd like to pause for just a moment to remind all of our listeners the context in which it was originally given. A lot of teaching these days is chopped into sound bites and truth becomes separated from the community and place in which it was shared. The Well's intent of teaching is to form God's people into the image of Jesus for God's mission in a particular context. Our primary context is college students attending the University of Alabama, Stillman College, and Shelton State Community College here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is here that we're seeking to join God in His redemptive work within ourselves, our campuses, our city, and the world. If we can serve you in any way at all, please don't hesitate to ask. You can also find more information at thewellua.com. We pray this message blesses you within your context of life and ministry. Um, Well, footnote, um, a guy by the name of Todd Wagner helped me a lot with this talk, and so I just have to do that. But I want to present tonight to you, we're going to start a little differently, okay? I'm going to present our character through a riddle. Anyone like riddles? All right, good. It's a long riddle, so hang with me. The words will be behind me. You can read along. As I speak aloud, Adam, God made out of dust, but thought it was best to make me first. So I was made before man to answer God's most holy plan. A living being I became, and Adam gave me my name. From his presence I then withdrew, and more of Adam I never knew. I did my maker's law obey, not ever went from it astray. Thousands of miles I go in fear, but seldom on earth do I appear. For purpose-wise, which God did see, he put a living soul in me. A soul from God did claim and took from me the soul again. So when from me the soul had fled, I was the same as when first made. And without hands or feet or soul, I travel on from pole to pole. I labor hours by day by night to follow man to give him light. Thousands of people, young and old, will be my death, great light behold. No right or wrong can I conceive the scriptures I cannot believe. Although my name therein is found, they are to me an empty sound. No fear of death doth trouble me. Real happiness I'll never see. To heaven I shall never go or to hell below. Now when these lines you slowly read, so search your Bible with all speed. For that my name is there, I do honestly to you declare. Who am I? Anyone? No, that, just you, be quiet. All right. I, I tested my riddle on those two yahoos. Um, and yeah, exactly. Ruined it for everyone. So collectively, let's boo that corner. Yes, yeah, so it is a well. So listen to it again. Adam got made out of dust, but that thought it was best to make me first. So I was made before man to answer God's most holy plan. A living being I became, and Adam gave me my name. So go back to the creation story. You see that the sea creatures were made before man was created, and then they were brought before Adam, and Adam gave them their names. Um, this is probably why Will gets upset for uh, the granberries and their cows, because each one has a name. And is a literal cow. So, 
From his presence I then withdrew, and more of Adam I never knew. I did my maker's law obey, not ever went from it astray. Thousands of miles I go in fear, but seldom on the earth appear. Whales are where? In the ocean. For purpose-wise, which God did see, he put a living soul in me. Jonah. That's where we're going tonight. A soul from God did claim and took from me the soul again. So when from me the soul had fled, I was the same as when first made. Jonah was freed from the well. And without hands or feet or soul, I travel on from pole to pole. Well, go long distances. I labor hours. This is, a, this is good, actually, right here. I labor hours by day, by night to follow man to give him light. Thousands of people, young and old, will by my death great light behold. Whale oil burns very nicely in many lamps. And in order to get whale oil, you have to kill the whale. Boo. No right or wrong can I conceive, the scriptures I cannot believe. Although my name therein is found, there are to me an empty sound. No fear of death doth trouble me, real happiness I'll never see. The heaven I shall never go or held to below. Now when these lines you slowly read, so search your Bible with all speed. My name is there. Whale is found four times in your scripture. So... There you go, a little riddle to get us going and working into tonight. So tonight we are working through the book of Jonah. We're looking at Jonah's story. We're looking at, at his perspective. And what I want to do before we jump in is to kind of tell you what we're not going to do. What we're not going to do is really discuss, is it an allegory, is it a parable, is it uh, poetic, is it historical? We're not going to figure out what type of written word this is. We're going to take that and we're going to put that on a shelf and I'll tell you why here in a second. We're also not going to really discuss could a man survive in a whale for three days. We're not going to talk about that. One, because I'm not a marine biologist and so I'm not one to tell you whether or not it is true. But, but, I did search the internet. And the internet, as we know, never lies. And I found on said internet that there have been whales that have been found. They've either died in a fisherman's net, they've died on a beach, and apparently there are multiple stomachs in whales, and the smaller stomach, they have found living fish, and one they found a 450-pound squid. So there you go. Yeah, so they're big enough to eat a person. Now, imagine that if you were cutting open a whale and there was a live squid just, I mean, it's kind of like alien, but um, that's, that's for another, another person to give that talk. So, um, so as we move in, we're not going to really focus there. But what we are going to focus is the fact that Jesus made reference to the story of Jonah. We are going to see that as Jesus was doing ministry, he told people that he was going to give them the sign of Jonah. That Jesus makes reference to it. That a man will be three days in the deep in the dark and will rise again and proclaim amazing news. And so what we're going to do is take Jesus' proclamation that this is true and we're going to believe it because we believe Jesus is true. Do you see how I'm making those connections. So as Jesus says it, it's historical revelation anticipating an even greater future resurrection. 
And so as we begin to unpack this, there's going to be several characters, and we're going to kind of fly through it. We're going to start slowly, and then we're going to fly a little bit as we move through it. But there's three main characters. Two of them will jump out immediately. The first is Jonah. So as we read the book of Jonah, I really believe that all of us in this room will relate to this story in some way, shape, or form. I think you may relate to multiple people, depending on where you're at in life, depending on how you perceive life. Jonah is one of those books that you can continually come back to and relate to. And so one person is Jonah. Another set of people we will be introduced to is the fishermen. So you may be able to relate to the fishermen. Or a third person that we will look at is maybe those that have doubt in the story. If this is in the Bible, if this is what you're teaching me, yeah, I've got a lot of questions. And I think Jonah speaks to each of these. And so as we read, here's how it's going to kind of unfold, because I'm going to give you a big kind of overview of the book of Jonah, and then we'll kind of unpack it together. What's going to happen is God's going to come to Jonah. Jonah is a prophet. Jonah is going to be called by God to go to the Ninevites. The Ninevites are essentially, it's, the, it's a city, it's the capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire did not like the nation of Israel. They warred, they did a lot of terrible things to the nation of Israel. You can read about the Assyrian Empire in your history books or in your, your Bible may have uh, concordances in the back. You can read about them. But they war with the Jews. They were not friends. They, they were more than foes. And so Jonah is called by God. He's a prophet of God. And so being a prophet of God, you are to speak the things of God. And so he's called to essentially go and tell the Ninevites, the capital city of this empire that is hated, is, is done terrible things to his people. He is to go and say, listen. You guys need to repent because if you don't repent, God is going to bring destruction on you. Now, if you're Jonah, you're like, no, I'm actually going to pray that you do not repent because I want God to bring destruction onto you. And so there's going to be some inner conflict with Jonah. And so he's going to run the opposite direction. But in the end, we will see God's will does prevail. Why? Well, he's God. And so let's begin simply by looking at chapter 1, picking up in verse 1. It says this, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amidi, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for evil has come, for their evil has come up before me. So we see this now, the word of the Lord, and I want us to pause here, and what I want to do, and I, I kind of started doing this the other day, but I want to show you that you don't have to read entire sections of scripture, you don't have to read multiple chapters to really flesh things out. You can read a verse and kind of chew on that. And so maybe for you, a devotional time would simply be you open up your Bible, you find a verse, and you take that with you throughout the day, and you kind of meditate and you chew on that. But it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and I just want you to know that when the word of the Lord comes to you, 
there is great responsibility. When the word of the Lord comes to you, just as it comes to Jonah, there is great responsibility. When you have received grace and mercy, when you have received the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came here to reconcile us back to the Godhead, when you believe that there is no other way but Jesus back into relationship with God, there is responsibility in that relationship. That responsibility is that you are now on mission with God. You are now on mission with the people of God. That the community of God is on mission together. See, there's a question that is asked of me um, several times each semester. And the question goes like this. What do we do about the unevangelized person who has never heard the gospel? Will he be saved? Because the Bible says that by no other name under heaven by which man can be saved other than through Jesus. So the question will come, can, can an unevangelized person who has never heard of Jesus, can he be saved? Now I want to pause because really this question has really three different roads that can come out from it. The first, it's a theological question. There is a sincere desire to say, okay, what do we do about those that are unreached, unevangelized? There is no opportunity for them to hear the gospel. That is a theological question, but generally speaking, that question is not what this person is after. Now it is sometimes within life groups, those, this question will come out, and I think in that it is a sincere desire to understand what are we to do. But a lot of times, if someone has come up to you and said, what about the unreached people? Has anyone ever had that question asked of them? Okay, what do we do about the unreached people? And the, the thing that they're really kind of looking for is, so you've got the one, the theological. The second is, is there a loophole? Is there a loophole? Is there a way that people can get into heaven who have not heard of Jesus Christ? Is there a way into heaven? And, here's this one. If there is a loophole, then I don't really have to respond because there could be another loophole. Right? There could be multiple loopholes. If this person gets into heaven, then why should I really give up my life to a God? Why should I submit to him? Why should I do those things? Or the other becomes true. If those people can get into heaven without hearing Jesus Christ, then I am not responsible for the word in which the Lord has given me. And what is that word that he has given us? To proclaim the gospel to all nations. So sometimes that question is asked in reference to simply saying, okay, if those people get in, then therefore I'm not really responsible and I can still be a Christian, I can still come, I can still be a part of the community of God, but I don't really have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because God will take care of it. There was a guy that lived 150, 160 years ago. He was a great communicator, far better than I. His name was Charles Spurgeon. He was asked this question. What about the unevangelized heathen? Can they be saved? 
And Spurgeon's response is brilliant, and it's going to, it's, it's going to take the breath out of you. It's going to punch you in the throat, if you will. So just, just be ready to gasp. Spurgeon said this to the question, what about the unevangelized heathen? Can they be saved? He said, to me, it's a much greater question. Can those of us who have heard the gospel and refuse to share it with those who have not heard it really be saved? Hear that again. What do we do about the unevangelized heathen? Can they be saved? His answer was simply, to me, it's a much greater question. Can those of us who have heard the gospel and refuse to share it with those who have not heard really be saved? And isn't that, isn't that great? It's a great response because all he's doing is flipping it onto us. There is responsibility. Now, I'm going to kind of walk into this very lightly so that there aren't streams of people. And our theologians in the room, give me a second with the first part, okay? Don't let me lose you with the first part, all right? First part is simply this. The Bible never says that there's anybody anywhere that will be judged because they rejected a Jesus who they've never heard. You just, you can't find it. But, theologians, but the Bible also says that God is just. And the Bible also says the person who's never heard of Jesus is under judgment because of their own conscience, because they have violated the laws of God. Therefore, they are under judgment. Therefore, they are condemned. They have suppressed the righteousness revealed by God by his creation. So why do I tell you this? Because if your question is, what about the unevangelized people? If that is what keeps you up at night, here's the answer. Receive, receive the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. And what he has done in your life. And then go and proclaim the word in which he has given you. That you have new life. That you have new beginning. If you are worried about them, then receive this grace and go. And honestly, we got a lot of people in here. Will Bomar will tell you how to go. Brandon Dunn's probably some here. Rachel Webster's here. Joseph, and, and guess what? I actually, I'm late to the Baptist. Uh, the, uh, what, wait, what do we call that? The, where you throw everything. Cooperative program. Baptist cooperative program. Get this. They'll send you for two years to proclaim this word. So if that's your question, hey, jump on, let's go. Let's go reach the unevangelized people. Why? Because God's called us to go and proclaim. As journeyman, you can talk to Will about that. He was late telling me about it. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 says this The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Listen to this the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. And listen, as it comes, it tells him to go to a people that he does not like. Guess what? The Lord doesn't really care whether or not you like them or not. Will God lead you to specific people? Yes, but sometimes he just leads you to go and proclaim, even to those that you don't really like. For me, like, I've never been, this is where I, I want to go. This is where the Lord has placed me, missions-wise. I've just, I've never... I've never been that way. What I'll do is I'll go to a mission organization and say, where, where, where are people not going? Where do, you need, where do you need my help, man? Put me in. 
And so the question is, is there a responsibility? Yes, God calls you to love even those that are unloved. He even calls us to suffer for them to know. In fact, to suffer to take the gospel message to people, they will actually see more of Christ through your suffering. Because this is what Paul did for the church of Ephesus, right? He said this to them, don't you lose heart when you hear of my tribulations, for they are your glory. In other words, when you see how much God wants me to suffer so you can get the message of redemption, don't worry about me. In fact, may it instead be a constant reminder of how much God loves you. Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, hey, don't worry about my trials and tribulations. Yes, I'm going through them. Yes, I'm being persecuted because of my beliefs. But I care more about you in redemption, in knowing Jesus than I do about my present sufferings. That's why I'm choosing to suffer so that you may know. As soon as the word of the Lord came to Jonah, he was a prophet. And when that happens, and when it happens to you, when you receive this word, when you receive even this text tonight, you have a responsibility. The Bible tells us that when we look at God, he loves us much the same way. That he would take his only begotten son, who is eternally dwelt in glory with the rest of the Godhead. And yet, Jesus would regard, not regard himself equal with God. And he would empty himself out. In other words, he didn't stop being God, but he stopped holding on to his ability to act in a way that his divine, eternal perfection demands and deserves. He humbled himself, took on flesh, became an image for us. He became obedient even to the point of death. Why? Because God is just. That's why. So if you're worried about God being just, he is just, but he is merciful. He is full of grace. And so Jesus steps down, read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Steps down, takes human form, shows us what it is to walk and to live, dies on the cross for our sins, not his. He lived a perfect life so that what? We could be restored. Again, go back in our series, go to the first one. We talk about the garden. Go there, come up to here. You'll understand this much better. And so Christ will go un into unspeakable horrors so that we can see when we look on Christ, two things should be true of us. It should make us wonder what kind of love is this? No greater love is one who would lay down his life, right? Jesus did that. Secondly, how valuable are we as the people of God? How valuable are we that there was no other way that we stepped out of that relationship, but yet God still came after us? Why? So that we could proclaim this good news. And so in Jonah chapter 1 verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah to do what? Arise. He says the same for us. The word of the Lord comes to you. Why? Arise. Go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. Is that not a loving God? He sees evil and he sends people to them. 
He says, I see their evil and I want you to go. And guess what? I know what they have done. I'm not, I'm not like staying back here and just looking around and it's like, oh yeah, them, over there, go Jonah. No, I understand because I am God. So I'm gonna teach you a lesson as well in the midst of that. Does God not do this in our lives? And here's what makes Jonah fascinating. And so this is just a little bit of kind of context for you. This is not the first time, if you were to start at the beginning of the Bible and, read, and start reading through it, this is not the first time you meet Jonah. Jonah actually is mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14. And he's faithful. In 2 Kings chapter 14, Jonah is called to preach to the Hebrews, what, the nation of Israel, his people. Now God is coming, don't miss this, don't miss what God is doing with Jonah. Now he's coming to Jonah and saying, hey, I don't just care about your people, I care about all people. I don't just care about the people I've set aside and said, this is my people, a city on a hill. I care about all people, even those that worship false gods. The God that the city of Nineveh or the Assyrians were worshiping at this time is the God of Dagon or Dagon. Dagon is, he's a fish god. And so now you're going to see the irony of Jonah's circumstances, right? And so even in Jonah's rebellion, he's going to run from this because he does not want to take the gospel there, just as we run oftentimes when we do not want to take the gospel to places. And you're going to watch how in Jonah's rebellion, God will still use it for good. Is that not a good God? And it will only confirm this message to the Assyrians. As he tells a story of how a whale swallowed him up and spit him out, that not even a well could contain him, yeah, there's a greater God. It's the one I've come here to call you to repent to. Now understand this as we move through Jonah. God didn't want Jonah to rebel. So this is when, again, here's the other question. God's will question comes up with Jonah. God didn't cause Jonah to rebel but God is going to work all things to good for those who love God and are called to, according to his purposes. Amen? Jonah just is going to have a little more heartache because he didn't obey outright. So hear this. When the word of the Lord comes upon you, you become a proclaimer. The reason you are blessed is so that you can be a blessing, not so that you can scoff at those who do not have what you didn't have in the first place. By the way, you know, you know why you are blessed or how you are blessed? Blessing is when you receive something that you didn't deserve in the first place. The word grace in Greek is the word charis. Is anyone, by the way, it was when I was kind of coming out of, uh, when I was in college, everyone was naming their kids charis. Is anyone named charis in the room? Well, charis is Greek. It's C-H-A-R-I-S. So if you want to name your kid that, it's grace in Greek. So there you go. Uh, it's the English word where we get the English word charity. Charis. We get charity. It means you receive something that you didn't deserve. And so really we're all beggars who received bread that we didn't deserve. And what would any beggar do with bread that he didn't deserve when he received it? 
he would go to other hungry people and tell them where to get that bread. Would he not? And so honestly, for that first person in that group of what about the unevangelized people, I oftentimes get that question, but I'm not really concerned about that question. And here's simply why. Jesus changed my life. He absolutely wrecked it. Like literally, we wrecked. Collision course. Blew it up. And put it back together for his good. Do I deserve it? No. Do I ask the question often, why me? Yeah. Doesn't really matter. He did it. But listen, the danger for us in this room is the same danger that we're going to see here in Jonah. Jonah's trouble is he thought because God made him a prophet that God was lucky to have him. Instead, what God is going to show us is that sometimes the prophets need to be saved just as much as those who are called to preach. Let that sink in for a moment. Are there not times in your life where you need to repent of how you are acting towards the Lord and towards those around you? And God's going to show this. Jonah was given the word of the Lord and he was to go forth. Jonah is told to arise, go to Nineveh, a great city, cry out against their wickedness for me. And so know this, again, as we continue to unpack this first little little verse, know that no sin under heaven does God miss. But he offers forgiveness and he offers repentance. But you also need to know that God does not promise tomorrow. So don't procrastinate. And yet he's relentless. God that some don't think is loving Some think that he is just just, he's not loving. What's interesting, again, as we unpack Jonah, if you follow this through, and this is why, you listen, I'm going to say it, I know I keep saying it, I I just want to keep saying it. Just read read your Bible. It is very helpful. Um, Here's what's, what's, what's really great about this story is Jonah will come to the Ninevites, and we're going to see here in a second, because I'm going to speed this up, Jonah's going to come to the Ninevites, and they are going to repent, and they're going to believe. A nation restored to God. And then several generations will go by, and the Assyrians will return to worship false gods. And then you want to know what God does? Book of Nahum. He sends to the Assyrians another prophet. He said, yes, your sins I saw the first time. Yes, you repented. Yes, I've received that repentance. And now you've returned to that false god. Yes, I see that. Yes, I'm going to send someone else. Is that not a loving God? Is that not a gracious God? Is that not a God that we should rise up and say, yes, Lord, you have given me a message to proclaim to those who have not heard. Should that not spur us out? Should that not drive us on mission? 
It absolutely should. And you know what's interesting? And I want you to just take this in. You know Jonah's name translates to peace. You want to know what Nahum's name translates to? Comfort. You know what God is to the weary soul? Soul driven by the waves. Soul on shifting sand. He is peace and comfort. Maybe that's you tonight. Verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord he went down to Joppa. And found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it. To go with them to Tarshish. Away from the presence of the Lord. So I was going to put a map on the screen. But I didn't get it in time. But Joppa is a port city. All right. So he's going to go down to a port city. He's going to get on a boat. The boat is going to Tarshish. Which is in Gibraltar. So at this time. This is the, the furthest away from Nineveh that you can get. In fact you can't, you can't get any further. Like, this is as far as they have sailed at this point. They've, they've not gone further. Jonah is literally 2,500 miles in the other direction of Nineveh. And let's see what happens to those of us who run from the things that God calls us to. Verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break. Then the mariners, not the baseball team, but these people who were actually explorers, they would actually go out. So they're actually, he's in Tarshish, but they're actually exploring even further away. So he's actually, hey guys, I'm with you. Let's find how far we can go. Mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Another interesting tidbit about the book of Jonah is as you read this through, and I hope you do after tonight, you go home, it's, it's four chapters, you can read it in probably 15 minutes, is as you watch it, the writer will show as Jonah moves away from, down, from God, it will, he will be going down. He went down to Joppa. He went down to Tarshish. He went down into the ship. Here in a minute, we're going to see that he is going to be tossed over the ship and he's going to go down into the sea, down into the belly of the well. Is that not true about your relationship with God? When you run, is that not what happens? The other day, I, I had a mild panic attack. It wouldn't be a major one. A major one generally is turn off the lights, in the bed, don't talk to anyone. This one was more, text a couple people, try to be functional. But in that anxiety, you know what I try to do? I try to run in all kinds of different directions. And you know what that does when I start running in all kinds of different directions that are not to God? I go further down. Is that not true? Think about your relationship with the Lord. In verse 6, so the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper, arise? Call out to your God, perhaps the God will give you, give a thought to us that we may not perish. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you're sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Everyone else is calling on their gods. It's not working, so you get up and maybe your God will hear us. Verse 7, watch this. I love this. I wish I could actually, 
per verse and spend some more time here. This is just good. Verse 7. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us, on whose account this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said, What is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had just told them. So he tells them who he is and he says, I'm fleeing from the Lord. This is, I've got a, I've, <laughs> this is funny. Um, essentially they are, they are saying, you idiot. Who are you? I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord of God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. You mean to tell me that your God made the sea and the dry land and you got on my boat? You idiot, what have you done? And you're running from him? Dummy. And what I want you to see here is understand that the people we yoke ourselves to matter. Understand that the people in your boat, I don't know, what in your crew, in your posse, in your clique, whatever it is, the people you run with matter. I'm not saying, let's forget about the loss. No, go back, rewind. If you're on the podcast, rewind it. Listen to the first section. Go. Arise and go. Just take some good people with you. Understand, everyone is caught in dating relationship. We're in April. We're fixing to hit April. So the seniors are like, man, shoot, I got to find someone right now. I got to lock this up so I can be married. Stop. Don't do that. Don't yoke yourself to that type of person because it's no good. How do I know that? What's happening? Read the Bible. He's a loving God, so he brings people for us to run with. Why? So that we can be on mission together. So just be mindful of who you allow in your boat. And who are you constantly sitting with? Verse 11. Then he said to them, what shall we do? Then they said to him, what shall we do to you? That the sea may quiet down for us. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it because of me that the great tempest has come upon you. So what needs to happen? Well, Jonah tells them, What they have to do. In order for the sea to be calm, they are going to have to throw him overboard. Now this is where Jonah, again, step back. We're going to pull way back 50,000 feet. Look at all of scripture. What is Jonah doing here? All of scripture is about coming back into relationship with God. How do we get back into that relationship with God? Through Jesus Christ. How? He died for our iniquities. Jonah is becoming a picture of Christ. He says, listen, the only way for you to escape judgment is you're going to have to pick me up and throw me into the sea. Now, Jonah, understand this, is an incomplete picture of Christ. Jonah says, in order for you to escape judgment, you are going to have to throw me into the sea 
because of what I've done so that judgment will not come upon you. Whereas Christ will say, it's on your account that the judgment is coming upon me. You see the reversal? And yet, we see more of the gospel play out. Watch this. This is, this, this is what I love about the Bible. Verse 13. Do they listen to Jonah? No. They do what a lot of us try to do in our relationship with God or not in our relationship with God. Verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Is that not, is that not us? Is that not true of us? Do we not want to earn our way? Do we not sometimes feel like we owe God something? Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, there is no way, there is no way that salvation is free. There is no way that this comes and that I don't have to do anything but receive it. It just can't happen. And so you get in your boat and you're just row, row, row your boat gently down. It's not gentle, is it? No, so you keep working a little bit harder. And you're just rowing. And then eventually, this is really tiring. Eventually, you tire out. Why? Because you can't get to God. <laughs> Again, read your Bible. You're not going to get there. Why? Because God is holy and you are not. You can try to be, you will not be. Well, then how do I get to God? Oh, so glad you asked. Through Jesus Christ. That's what the story of Jonah is talking about. Men will always try to row their way to God. They'll always try to work more, do more. And what does God do to those who are trying to work hard and do more? He just turns on the blower and the water a little bit higher. Until you wear out. In verse 14 it says, Therefore they called out to the Lord. We're tired. O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you. O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. Oh yes, he has. Has he not? So they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the, mere, then the men did what? Feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Simply, they believed. Is this not the gospel? Is this not the gospel where you surrender yourself to God? All of it. And in the end, did Jonah do this? Did these men do it? Did Jesus do it on our behalf? The answer to all the above is yes. Yes, he did. And so, this is where I want to conclude tonight. Are you willing to surrender to Jesus? Are you willing to surrender to Jesus? And there could be a number of ways that this story relates to any number of you in this room tonight. In fact, there are multiple ways in which it relates to my own life. But it could be, you finally get it. Christ died for your sins. You're right. I have been working really, really hard and I can't get there. He did this on my behalf and I will accept it. That judgmental God you believe in, 
as a relentlessly loving God who is relentlessly pursuing you all of your life, all of your days. You may have come with someone tonight, showed up here. Yeah, God placed them there because they are beggars trying to share with you some free bread. They didn't make it themselves, they just received it. Are you that? Is there your step surrender? Or maybe tonight you're like Jonah. You know, you've been given his word, you've played his games, you've got the two lives and the storms are rolling in, you've been fighting the Lord, simply saying, hey, peace be still and know that I am God. Know that I'm at work. That's God calling to you, but you're just fighting it. Maybe you are Jonah. In the end, does Jonah submit? Yes. Yes, he does. And in the end, I'm, I'm just going to... Uh, go to four. I, this is not... I'm, I'm stripping away and I'm trying to say... But chapter four, verse 11... So, you know what, I'm going to read this whole thing right here. So, the people of Nineveh, so back in chapter 3, the people of Nineveh have repented. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, the Lord relented from disaster, as he would do for all of us. And then chapter 4, watch, watch Jonah's response. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Have you ever had those conversations with God? Come again? What, what's your issue with me? And no, I'm not going to kill you because you're asking me to. Because I've shown you grace and mercy so that you've witnessed a miracle, so that you can see people coming to know you. No. And so verse 5, Jonah went out of the city and he sat on the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He is pouting. <laughs> He is pouting. He sat under it in the shade till he, should, till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant, and it came, it, came, it came up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head. So the Lord is still, hey, hey, come here. Come here. That it might shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when... Dung came near. Up the next day, God appointed a worm to attack the plant. So it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? 
Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in the night. And you should not, and should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people that I created, that I made, that I'm taking care of, not you. Should I not pity them? who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. Ah, it's a great book. You really need to read through Jonah, because here it is. This is, this is showing a prophet, someone who is walking with God, who is uneasy with the tension of God. So if you feel that tension, that's okay. But work with God through that tension. And here's what you need to know, Christian. God's going to work with you. Are you teachable? So where are you tonight? Are you at the front end? You finally understood, yeah, I can't get to God. Yes, he is just, but he is very, very merciful. Are you the sailors? You're just trying to row as hard as you can. God, I got this. I don't need any help. Uh, maybe you just need to peace, be still. And know that I am God. Or maybe you're Jonah. And maybe God's been calling you, arise and go. Will you, will you arise and go? So as we spend a moment in reflection, maybe tonight is a night of repentance for you or many. Know that we offer up these steps, there's nothing spiritual about them, but as you confess that, as you repent, know that the body of Christ will come around you and pray on your behalf. We see you and God sees you. We want to get in the boat with you. You don't have to row alone because God is doing the rowing. If you need someone to talk through, someone to personally pray with, we'll have men and women on the left and right side but I want us to take a moment, reflect as the band comes up, where are you? What does the Lord need to do in your heart tonight?